0: So this meeting will come to order. Welcome to the March meeting of the Local Agency Formation Commission and our first in-person meeting in three years. I'm Vice Chair Jackie Fielder and I'm joined by Commissioners Dean Preston, Hope Williams, and Shanti Singh. Our clerk is Stephanie Gabrera. And also I'd like to thank the staff at SFGovTV for setting us up. Madam Clerk, do you have any announcements?
1: Yes, thank you, Vice Chair Felder. LAFCO is convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment. whilst are providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The Commission recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. Public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. For those of you watching either Channel 26 or TV, the public comment call-in number is streaming across the screen. The phone number is 415-655-0001. Again, that is 415-655-0001. Please enter the meeting ID 24832038194, then press pound twice to be connected. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When the item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us via telephone should dial star 3. Those joining us in the chamber should line up against the right wall.
0: Thank you. Oh, me.
1: There's a little more tech. for those joining us via telephone. Please remember to turn down your TV or listening devices as you may, any that you may be using. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways: email them to me, the LAFCO clerk at stephanie.gavirdera at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commissioners and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall at 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. Thank you, and that concludes my announcements.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. And can you please call the roll?
1: Member Preston? Present. Preston, present. Member Williams? Present. Williams, present. Vice Chair Fielder? Present. Fielder, present. You have a quorum.
0: Thank you. Um, Madam Clerk, I'd like to make a motion to excuse Chair Connie Chan from this meeting. Can I have a second? Second. Moved by myself and seconded by Commissioner Preston. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll?
1: And on that motion to excuse Supervisor Chan, member Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Williams? Aye. Williams,
0: aye. Vice Chair Felder? Aye. Felder, aye. There are three ayes. Do I need to bang the gavel? (laughs) Um, All right, thank you, Madam Clerk. And Madam Clerk, please call item number two. Item number two is the approval
1: of the LAFCO minutes from the February 17th, 2023 regular meeting. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID 2483-203-8194, then press pound twice. If you haven't already done so, please dial star 3 to be added to the speaker queue. The system will prompt that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments when we go to public comment.
0: Do any commissioners have any changes to the minutes from the February 17th, 2023 meeting? Seeing no changes, I'll open this up for public comment. Speakers will have three minutes. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on item number two?
1: Thank you, Vice Chair Felder. Are there any members of the public in the chamber that would like to make public comment for item number one? Please line up along the curtain wall to your right. Remote public call-in members, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. For those already on hold, please continue to wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted. Seeing no public participants in the chamber, we'll check the online call. We currently have zero listeners and zero in the queue.
0: Thank you. Seeing no public speakers, public comment is now closed. Is there a motion to approve the minutes? So moved. Moved by Commissioner Preston. Any second? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Williams. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Member Preston?
2: Aye.
1: Preston, aye. Williams? Aye. Williams, aye. Vice Chair Felder? Aye. Vice Chair Felder, aye. You have three ayes. Thank you. Madam Clerk, can you please call item number three? Item number three is the Community Choice Aggregation CCA Activities Report. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on item three should dial 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID 2483-203-8194 then press pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. The system will prompt and indicate that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted and you may begin your comments when we go to public comment.
0: All right, so now we'll hear from Deputy Assistant General Manager for Clean Power SF, Michael Himes. Um, Director Himes, if you could please keep your presentation to 10 minutes, that would be much appreciated.
3: Good morning, Vice Chair Fielder uh, and fellow commissioners. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I'm Mike Himes. I'm the Deputy Assistant General Manager for the SFPUC's Power Enterprise, responsible for the Clean Power Up program. Um, and I do have a few slides I'm going to bring up. Yeah, you should be seeing my presentation
0: yes we see it Great,
3: thank you okay for my report today uh, i'm going to cover the topics that vice chair fielder raised at the last meeting regarding uh the clean power step organization and budget So first, it's important to understand that the SF, uh, the Clean Power SF is a part of the SFPUC's power enterprise, San Francisco's clean energy utility. The power enterprise operates two power services, Hetch Hetchy Power, San Francisco's publicly owned retail electric utility, and Clean Power SF, San Francisco's community choice. Together, Clean Power SF and Hetch Hetchy Power consumed in San Francisco. The Power Enterprise employs union workers, including engineers, financial and utility analysts, line workers, electricians, and technicians. We also operate and maintain about 30,000 streetlights and fund all the costs associated with operating and maintaining streetlights, including the 20,000 owned by PG&E here in San Francisco. And you can see on this slide some of the statistics that distinguish our two power programs. This slide summarizes uh, the Clean Power SF organization within the power enterprise. The SFPUC is led by its general manager and the power enterprise is led by an assistant general manager. Under the Assistant General Manager of Power, we have three deputies that are involved in various aspects of Clean Power SF. A Deputy Assistant General Manager of Operations, uh, that's the yellow segment here that is responsible for functions including electricity demand forecasting, energy scheduling within the California Independent System Operator, power purchasing and managing our power portfolio, settling invoices with the California ISO and with our power suppliers, risk management, credit services, and data systems and information technology. The operations division has 12 positions that are funded by Clean Power SF. A deputy assistant general manager of programs and planning, the blue segment, uh, with 13 Clean Power SF funded positions is responsible for regulatory and legislative affairs, budget administration and management, organizational development, customer engagement, marketing, and account management, customer programs development, and distributed energy resource planning. And in the middle uh, of this slide is the Deputy Assistant General Manager for Clean Power SF, and that's where I sit, the gray segment. We have 17 positions and are responsible for our Community Choice Aggregation Service Agreement with PG&E. Management of meter data, uh, meter data information and um, management, billing and customer care services, rates implementation, budget development, power supply compliance, long-term power planning, like the integrated resource plan that we've uh, discussed with LAFCO, the disadvantaged communities green tariff and community solar programs, uh, other customer programs. Uh, like Net Energy Metering and Peak Day Pricing, and Customer Care and Account Management Support. Clean Power SF also funds positions within other SFPUC divisions that are dedicated to Clean Power SF, including seven positions performing our call center services and accounting within the Business Services uh, Division, led up by our Chief Financial Officer and AGM of Business Services, Uh, two dedicated positions in human resource services uh, that are under our Chief People Officer, and eight positions within the SFPUC's External Affairs Division that perform power communications and marketing and policy and government affairs. In addition to these 17 positions, Clean Power Staff also contributes to the SFPUC's overhead, which funds additional staffing needs in these and other SFPUC divisions that support general departmental operations. Okay, now let's shift to the budget. First, I wanted to share uh, where you can find our budget information. On this slide, you'll find uh, the address and a link to SFPUC's uh, budget report uh, covering our adopted fiscal year 2022 to 2023 and 23 24 budgets. Um, there are also historical budgets uh, available on that same webpage. The SFPUC provides a budget status report to its Commission every quarter. These reports cover all of the SFPUC's enterprises and operations and provide specific information about Clean Power SF's budget. Our budget director presented the second quarter budget status report to our Commission on February 28th. And I've uh, provided a link here on this slide to the materials included in our Commission's agenda packet under item 4C on the slide. Uh, it also include, this slides also includes a snapshot of Clean Power SF's quarterly budget status report. Uh, just to walk you through this uh, a little bit, there's a lot of data here. Um, the top portion of the table covers the operating budget, which identifies Clean Power SF's operating sources. So that includes revenues from electricity sales and interest income. It also identifies our operating uses, uh, personnel, that's our staffing costs overhead. That's our contributions to general departmental costs, non-personnel services. That includes professional services, fees, um, specific third party service agreements, um, also things like our, uh, lease, uh, for office space and rent, uh, materials and supplies, uh, that's computer equipment, desks, um, and the such. Power purchases, Uh, of course, this is the bulk of Clean Power S.F.'s budget um, and that's the same for virtually every CCA. Uh, The services of other departments, um, these are interdepartmental uh, work orders, uh, so that includes the services of the city attorney, um, reproduction and mailing, uh, for example. Uh, Debt service and general reserve. The lower portion of the table identifies Clean Power SF's capital budget with both programmatic and uh, capital projects. This includes funding of our customer programs work uh, like EV Charge SF and the solar inverter replacement programs that that I've presented to LAFCO about in the past. Um, It also supports consulting for the development of RFPs for projects, uh, in-city projects that we're working on. Uh, in the last row, the table identifies available fund balance at the end of the fiscal year. So this is essentially the cash that Clean Power app must maintain in order to assure uh, rating agencies, creditors, and suppliers that it will be uh, capable of paying its bills. Uh, in the columns across the top, you can see the values uh, for Clean Power USF's fiscal year 2021-2022 budget, uh, and then Clean Power Fiscal Year 22-23, proposed uh, budgets, uh, revised budget, and uh, the projection for this fiscal year. Uh, The last column shows the variance of the projection to the revised budget. Um, Of note in this report is uh, that we are projecting higher uses for power supply costs, Um, and this is due to uh, the significant volatility that we've been seeing in energy markets over the past year. Uh, due to a number of uh, global uh, factors um, including the war in ukraine Um, so that actually concludes my prepared uh, slides i'm happy to take any questions you may have about this material
0: thank you director himes i definitely have questions and uh, would encourage my fellow commissioners to jump in as well so going back to the organization chart HOW MANY OF THE POSITIONS LISTED ARE VACANT RIGHT NOW?
3: Um, I DON'T HAVE AN EXACT STATISTIC FOR YOU ON THAT, um, BUT WE HAVE BEEN PRESENTING THIS INFORMATION TO OUR COMMISSION RECENTLY. Um, OUR CHIEF PEOPLE OFFICER um, HAS PRESENTED TO OUR COMMISSION TWICE uh, WITH STATISTICS ON VACANCY RATES. OF COURSE IT'S A NUMBER THAT'S MOVING AROUND CONSTANTLY AND WE'RE ALWAYS HIRING. uh, so I can I can refer uh, the executive officer to those materials um, uh, that that again provide some statistics on uh, vacancy rates
0: okay thank you um, and then I wanted to bring up something that was pretty um, surprising to find out recently um, I understand the KISO scheduling is something listed here under Deputy AGM operations in the yellow section. So there, to be clear, there is someone doing that or not? Because I, I think I saw recently that there, um, that we actually don't meet the qualifications to have someone do that in Clean Power Staff
3: so the the function of kaiso scheduling is absolutely happening because if it wasn't uh, we wouldn't be able to, to participate in those uh electricity markets uh, um, we have staff that we have, so we have the third party contractor that uh, is a certified scheduling coordinator with the california isl um, and this has been the practice uh, for for quite some time for us uh, to, to utilize a um, third-party scheduling coordinator. And it's very common in, in the electricity market in California as well. Um, we also have staff um, under the, the operations division here uh, listed uh, that prepare our schedules on a, on a regular basis. We submit daily schedules uh, to the California ISO. and. We work with our scheduling coordinator who uh, is the one that takes the step of actually submitting that information into the the ISO system on its timeframes. Uh, So we absolutely are performing this function. Uh, We do utilize uh, a third party um, uh, to support us in this. Again, very common in the industry to do that. Um, One of the challenges that we have had historically is, is that the California ISO has very Short timeframes for uh, making payments um, and interacting with it, uh, so that that's a, just an operating uh, challenge that is not just uh, one that that we have experience, but but all participants experience. And the the scheduling coordinators uh, uh, essentially ensure that all of the California ISO's requirements are being met.
0: Thank you, Um, and I also saw that that third-party contractor we just recently, at the Board of Supervisors, um, passed a resolution approving an amendment to increase the contract by 636 million um, over a five-year term, which is something like 500%, 565% increase. What what's the reason for that?
3: Yeah, the um, well, so the, the first the first issue is that when the contract was established, um, we underestimated the capacity that we needed for that contract, uh, a five-year contract. Um, the uh, you know second major issue uh, driving the increase is the market volatility that that I was mentioned earlier uh, in the presentation. Uh, we've really seen unprecedented levels of, of uh, electricity and energy market volatility over the past uh, year or two. Um, you know, most recently, as I indicated, uh, driven by uh, disruptions to global energy markets uh, uh, caused by the war in Ukraine and um, associated uh, sanctions that have been placed um, in particular on Russia. Um, that, that's driven up the price of natural gas. Natural gas is still um, an important part of the electric uh, system uh, in California and in the Western United States. It still is one of the drivers of electricity prices. Um, we've also seen some uh, extreme weather patterns as well. Um, the the heat dome of, the, of last fall all being one example um, we've also seen, as, as I think you all know, some extreme weather here in California uh, this winter. Um, those also uh, play a role when, when you have a more constrained energy market. Um, spikes in demand like that from extreme weather uh, really exacerbate. So, so we've just and, and the other thing that's important to keep in mind is our, for, our forecasted costs initially um, were informed by what had been a very different market that we were operating in. Um, a market that, in fact, was more defined by declining prices or flat or declining prices. Um, and we had seen that trend for some time. Um, we're, we're now operating in a very different market with a lot of volatility and costs are much higher. So um, you know, th- this is an essential, the, the contract that you're alluding to is an essential operating contract for us. Uh, to uh, continue to, to participate in in the California Independent System Operator um, market. Uh, so that increases to ensure that, that we'll continue to operate reliably uh, um, in the California ISO.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's still alarming, 565% increase, and I understand other CCAs have their own CAISO schedulers, so I don't know. This is just that's a huge number. That's a huge jump, even accounting for all of the energy market volatility and and everything you mentioned. So I definitely want to follow up about, you know, what's the long-term plan for clean power stuff to do around CAISO scheduling. Um, I'll hand it off to any other commissioners that want any other questions. One sec. I think we're figuring out the speaker system. Commissioner Williams.
4: Yes, still getting used to the system. Um, I just wanna jump back real fast. So of the 59 total positions that you have currently and in not knowing if the 21 vacancies have been filled, could you just give me your best guess? Ballpark.
3: Yeah, I I could give you a guess. It's probably in more of the range of 10 to 15 vacancies at this point. But like I said, it's hard. Um, Yeah, we have some materials that we presented recently on this, but, but that would be about what I would estimate.
1: Thank you.
0: Um, I also like to ask about the the budget if if it's possible to pull up the slides, I think it'd be great so everyone can see. Um, thank you. So I see that there is for this year, the um, projected budget is fourteen million for non-personnel services. And a recent BLA report said that, of last year's um, professional services budget. Of the $8.9 million for last year, approximately $2 million was still pending vendor selection, and the scopes of work have not been finalized. Um, and I was wondering, you know, there's the MOU that we have, an issue that we're going to talk about later. Um, wondering if there are consultants under contract that might be qualified to do the work on any of the studies in our proposed MOU. And ask. I wanted to ask about these um, scopes of work that have not been finalized and any progress that's been made on them.
3: Yeah, um, I'm probably not going to be able to get into all the details at the moment. But uh, just generally speaking, so the the BLA report. Uh, I don't know if you have a date on it, but but I do think it's it's a bit dated at this point. Um and what often happens is as as we're ending a fiscal year, um, we may be setting up task orders in our system so that the funds aren't yet encumbered. Um so some of it is just a timing issue, but yes, we have brought on some new uh consulting contracts. We have been setting up uh scopes of work, task orders to um direct work to some of those consultants. Um and you know the the PUC and the Power Enterprise has a range of of consulting contracts covering things like communications and marketing to um, you know more technical uh, um, uh, analytical uh, consultants um, that support our business needs. Um, To answer your question about the the LAFCO scope of work and whether there are consultants that could perform that that type of work, um, I would say the answer is yes. Um, So that work could be performed uh, or supported by um, consultants that we have under contract, um, as well as staff members at the ESFPC.
0: Thank you. Um, At a future meeting, I would love to get more information on uh, these contracts and an update on the BLA's comments. Any other fellow commissioners want to ask any questions? Commissioner Singh, would you like to? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a- <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Never mind. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, seeing no for the comments from commissioners, I'll open this up to public comment and speakers will have three minutes. Are there any members of the public who wish to comment on item number three?
1: Thank you, Vice Chair Felder. Are there any members of the public in the chamber that would like to make public comment for item number three? Seeing no, members of the public in the chamber will go to the dial. in we have one listener with zero in the queue. We have no speakers to this
0: item. All right, thank you, Madam Clerk, and thank you, Director Himes. I really appreciate you putting together this presentation. It's really helpful to see um, what is going on at Clean Power SF. All right, seeing no public speakers, public comment is now closed. Madam Clerk, can you please call item number four? Item number four is the discussion and possible approval of the proposed
1: Memorandum of Understanding, MOU, between LAFCO and the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on item 4 should dial 415-655-0001. When prompted, please enter meeting ID 24832038194, then press pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star 3 to be added to the speaker queue. The system will prompt and indicate that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted, and you may begin your comments when we go to public comment.
0: All right, so now we're gonna hear from Executive Officer Pollock. Uh,
5: thank you. Good morning, uh, Chair Fielder and Commissioners. Jeremy Pollock, Executive Officer for SF LAFCO. And uh, this item was placed on the agenda at the request of the SFPUC that wanted to discuss uh, some possible amendments to the MOU that, that you all uh, authorized back in January. Um, we're continuing to have those discussions and uh, uh, agreement between PUC staff and, and myself to ask that this be continued so we can, can discuss a little further and hopefully uh, bring, bring back a version of the MOU that both you and the SFPUC can, can support soon and that we can get started on this work. Um happy to answer any questions.
0: Um, Commissioner Williams?
4: I'm just well, first of all, thank you for all of your work. Um, really appreciate you. Uh, I just this I suppose this is more of a comment, but I'm in, incredibly pleased to see that we're still hanging on to the SFPUC shell recommend to the mayor rather than the May. And, um, I hope that we can keep that word. Uh, yeah. Thank you.
0: Um, is there a general update that you can give us about where the MOU is at?
5: Yeah. So the so the MOU was considered by the SFPUC at, at their January fourteenth meeting. I believe it was. Uh, a few of their commissioners had questions, uh, and so they asked um, for more information and didn't take action on it. Then uh, since then, uh, I've had some meetings with staff. And I believe Chair Chan has had some discussions directly with General Manager Herrera, um, and I I think you know there's a few amendments that we've been considering around. Um, the scope of work, and I think whether or not um, LAFCO's oversight of Clean Power SF should be part of the MOU and, and reimbursable by the PUC, or if um, if the MOU should be just uh, just to uh, funding the studies that are imagined in the in the MOU, um, and then. Some some technical amendments around uh, what Commissioner Williams was ref- referencing around the uh, the language around carryover of unused funds from fiscal year to next fiscal year, uh, and you know what, uh, trying to find a balance point between the you know certainty that LAFCO is looking forward to know that these funds are going to be with us, barring some financial crisis, so that we have some certainty for you know multi-year budgeting and planning for these studies. And the PUC wanting some flexibility in case of you know dire financial straits that um, they're not locked into this uh, money being at LaFco uh, in case of you know urgent needs elsewhere in the organization, um, and um, yeah, I believe those are sort of the major points that we're we're reviewing and hoping to to come back with uh, something to present to you soon, either uh, next month or possibly we might see if we can find a special meeting to to keep this moving and get it uh, get it approved, so we can start the work soon, and um, also looking particularly looking to get certainty on this as we go into our budget approval. As uh, this what we'll, we'll have will have a significant impact on on LAFCO's budget, as we'll cover in the executive officer's report.
0: Thank you, Officer Pollock. I'll just share with with my colleagues on the commission that I I for one am concerned about any removal of LAFCO's oversight of clean power set from the scope of work, Um, and I echo Commissioner Williams on the uh, desire to keep shall recommend to the mayor, uh, carry over of unused funds rather than may. Um, You know, I think today it's clear that there's plenty still to look at in Clean Power SF to make sure that we're maximizing all the resources dedicated to it, um, meeting our climate action goals through Clean Power SF, um, and, you know, discussions about decarbonization and green banking. There's so much more to do, and Clean Power SF, I think, is a huge component of that, um, and so I, I would absolutely be concerned if, if LAFCO were no longer, um, able to oversee Clean Power SF, um, any other comments? I see Commissioner Preston. Uh,
2: thank you, Chair Fielder. And um, I, I really just wanted to um, echo the comments of Chair Fielder and um, Commissioner Williams and um, and thank all my fellow commissioners. I know uh, uh, Commissioner Chan's been working on it as well. But you know, I think everyone is trying to move this forward to get it done. I appreciate uh, executive officer Pollock's work on this, I, I you know I do hope, and just want sort to, of, I, I I do think there's some need to move things forward quickly, and so you know I I, I hope that getting that certainty can be done um, by the time of of the next LAFCO meeting. But on the substantive matter, I agree entirely with uh, the statements uh, that, that Chair Fielder and Commissioner Williams uh, gave, and I'm hoping we can. Uh, wrap this up with PUC as soon as possible thank you
5: and if I could offer just one clarification uh, around the <clears throat> the over LafCO's oversight of clean power SF and uh, I think the question is is whether or not that um, that work by LAFCO should be reimbursed by the PUC as part of this MOU. Um, I, PUC fully agrees that that you know oversight of clean power SF is within our powers. Uh, The the Board of Supervisors resolution that was passed unanimously with seven uh, co-sponsors reiterated that request from the board for LAFCO to continue that role of oversight of Clean Power SF. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, the the discussion you all just had with with Director Himes, I think, was uh, a great example of of continuing that. And uh, as we've talked about trying to to drill down more into details on the Clean Power SF operation and... um, and Chair Fielder, like, all, like you reference, all of the other topics that, that we want to dig into and so fully anticipate that continuing, whether or not um, that's part of the MOU or not. And, um, yeah, Clean, uh, Clean Power SF understands that and is, is cooperating in that as well. So um, definitely looking forward to continuing that work.
0: Thank you for that clarification. Um, Commissioner Singh. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank you, Executive Director
6: Pollack. I know this has been a lot of really hard work, um, and I won't belabor the point um, that my fellow commissioners have already made about the shall language, uh, but I did just want to highlight I am really, really glad to see um, the natural gas system decommissioning, particularly um, in this MOU so far, And Part of that, I mean, I mean, we just discussed during the last item about, you know, natural gas geopolitical shocks, but also um, I think this is really critical um, because we, we really have uh, an urgent decarbonization and housing decarbonization problem, not just in San Francisco, but um, seeing that this is increasingly becoming a conversation, you know, across the country, but certainly also at the state level in Sacramento. So I'm really glad to see it. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you to Executive Officer Pollock for moving this forward and Chair Chan and PUC staff also. Um, hope we get to somewhere soon. All right, seeing no further comments from Commissioners, I will open this up for public comment. Speakers will have three minutes. Thank you, Vice Chair Felder. Are there any members of the
1: public in the chamber that would like to make public comment for item number four? Please line up to the right. For any remote public comment participants, please dial star three to be added to the queue. Seeing no in-person commenters, we'll go to the queue. Okay, we're just checking that number. Currently have one speaker in the queue. May we please have the speaker?
7: Good morning, Commissioners. Eric Brooks with Californians for Energy Choice and the local grassroots organization, Our City San Francisco. Uh, I just want to make one comment about the presentation, and that is that I heard something that was pretty troubling, and has never been part of the MOU before, uh, to my knowledge. And that's this idea that if there were economic hard times, that the SFUC would want a clause in here that they could uh, change the budget or cut or halt the budget. Uh, That's never been part of this MOU before, to my knowledge. And uh, the issue, I mean, the the idea that this uh, agency that oversees billions of dollars in assets and has a huge budget, in economic hard times would have to cancel uh, an MOU or put it on hold that's only a few hundred thousand dollars is pretty far-fetched. And uh, as I'm sure you know, the SFPC and LAFCO do not always see eye to eye on things. And the last thing we would want to do is put ourselves in a position where, if there's some kind of a disagreement about the policy that LAFCA is putting forward, that the SFPUC would just be able to halt the use of the money. That would not be a good situation. And then I would agree with all the other comments made so far. Um, And that's it. Thanks.
1: Thank you for your comments. There are no other speakers in the queue.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Public comment is now closed, and Madam Clerk, can you please call item number five?
1: Item number five is a resolution urging the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission to adopt a workforce and environmental justice policy for engineering procurement. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID two four eight three two zero three eight one nine four, then dial pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star 3 to be added to the speaker queue. The system will prompt that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted, and you may begin your comments when we get to public comment.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. I am really excited to introduce today the a uh, resolution urging the SFPUC to adopt a workforce and environmental justice policy for energy procurement. I'd like to thank Alex Landsberg especially for um, working with myself and Executive Officer Pollock on this resolution. So this is regarding um, the CCA kind of conglomerate of all the different CCAs in California, and SFPUC has a representative to this um, statewide organization. Um, And this is simply a resolution urging the SFPUC to direct our representatives to this board to advocate to form a public advisory committee, including labor, environmental and equity representatives, to ensure transparency and public engagement in CC Power's operations and procurement practices. Um, so I uh, would like to thank Executive Officer Pollock again for um, making sure that this is all put together. And I would invite my fellow commissioners for any comments or questions. All right. Seeing no further comments from commissioners, I'll open this up for public comment. Speakers will have three minutes. Thank you, Vice Chair Felder. Seeing as
1: there are no members of the public in the chamber, we will go to our remote dial-in. If you are on the line, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. And we have one speaker. Will you please have the speaker?
0: Um,
7: this is Eric Brooks with uh, Our City SF and California's for Energy Cho- Choice again. Uh, I hadn't intended to stay in the queue, but that's all right. I can make a comment on this, and that's just simply that as we do start building out um, uh, renewable energy and efficiency and battery storage in San Francisco, which uh, should happen, to the extent that that's done by private uh, entities on private property, we do need to make sure also that even though it's on private property, this SFPUC is helping us to make sure that we start unionizing jobs like energy efficiency installation and uh, and uh, solar panel installation on homes and businesses. Right now, that's not the situation. It's not guaranteed that those jobs will be union, and we need to figure out a way to get them to be union, and it would help us if the SFPUC was helping to push that point because it unionizes its employees uh, we need to make sure that we're making that happen with, uh, private installations. Thanks.
1: Thank you for your comments today, Eric Brooks. There are no other speakers in the queue.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. You know, the public speakers, public comment is now closed and I'd like to make a motion to approve this resolution. Can I have a second? Second. Seconded Moved by myself, seconded by commissioner Williams, Madam clerk, can you please call the roll
1: on the motion to approve the resolution? Member Preston. Aye. Preston, aye. Member Williams?
0: Aye. Williams, aye. Vice Chair Felder? Aye. Felder, aye. You have three ayes. Thank you. This resolution is approved. Uh, Madam Clerk, can you please call item number six?
1: Item number six is the authorization for the executive officer to issue a request for proposals RFP for Midtown Park Apartments residence facilitator. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID 24832038194, then press pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. The system will prompt that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted, and you may begin your comments when we go to public comment.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. And Commissioner Preston, would you like to make any remarks on this?
2: Thank you, Chair Fielder. I just want to um, express my uh, thanks to Executive Officer uh, Pollock and really to all LAFCO commissioners for uh, hopefully uh, for taking this on. You know, Midtown Park Apartments is a um, is is a very unique property in San Francisco in that it is it's the only city-owned. Housing complex that's not—it has no no HUD subsidies. It's, it doesn't really fit any model of when people think about um, about publicly owned uh, housing. Um, it is uh, it, it is a product of uh, a response to uh, redevelopment in the Western Addition uh, that that Midtown Park Apartments was uh, was created in the first place. It was created with uh, promises. Uh, literally written promises to the residents at that time, uh, mostly black San Franciscans, um, of a promise of ownership of the property um, as, as a form of of co-op or other uh, resident ownership. And, the, and I will not go through the history, but let's just say that those promises were never fulfilled. And so I think it's very timely that we're considering this as the city this week uh, at the Board of Supervisors took um, a, a historic step. Of um, accepting the draft reparations report from the uh, African American Reparations Advisory Committee, which did did excellent work mapping out what real reparations would look like in San Francisco. And One of those one of the sections of their report was um, really a, ex- about exactly this issue, which is trying to create uh, home ownership, particularly for the Black community um, in in San Francisco, and try to right some of the wrongs. Of, of our not just nationally around um, the history of treatment of uh, black Americans but very specifically how the San Francisco uh, government um, participated in um, in taking in, in depriving the black community of, uh, of homes particularly in the western edition so um, so it's very timely um, I think that there's there's quite a bit of background on how we got here Um, but I think what's important is really in the last couple years uh, the Board of Supervisors has stepped in with residents to reverse um, and stop uh, rent increases that were being imposed on residents at Midtown that kind of uh, stabilized things at Midtown but I think everyone is in agreement that there needs to be a long-term plan and needs to be a resident-led plan for what the future of Midtown looks like for how the repairs get done what that's going to cost what role the city is going to play uh, in subsidizing that? What the future model even is? Whether people are looking at a land trust, a co-op, uh, or some other uh, form of stable and affordable housing that keeps residents housed and hopefully brings others into the many vacant units there. Um, so th- this uh, and, and executive officer Pollock can, I'm sure, speak more to to. Um, any questions around the uh, the RFP and the proposal here? Um, but really, fundamentally, the idea is to have um, someone facilitate uh, a discussion uh, with Midtown residents to really map out um, both the um, the actual needs in terms of repair at the property and uh, make recommendations around. Uh, potential uh, future ownership and control and governance uh, of Midtown. So I'm, I'm very ex- excited that this is moving forward. Um, and I want to say that I, I, I also think it really connects very well um, with some of the work that that LAFCO doing around, uh, you know, increasingly looking at this space um, that kind of doesn't fit anywhere else in city government around. Like what what is feasible, what is doable around municipally owned housing, having that conversation, um, in a more serious way. um, I think it's, it's essential. And as I always remind people who are engaged in the, the, the broad conversation around social housing and municipally owned housing, um, who talk about it as if it's just an idea and a thing years off in the future. Um, I will just say that, uh, in those discussions, the first thing I always point to is we literally have municipally owned housing with overwhelmingly black residents and other folks of color working-class folks at risk but also with incredible potential to be a model uh, for what municipal housing looks like um, sitting right in the heart of our city at Midtown Park Apartments so uh, I hope everyone will support that resolution and do want to thank uh, Executive Officer Pollock for for uh, doing doing the uh, the work to move this forward. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Preston. Commissioner Singh. Yeah, I just want to echo um, the enthusiasm. I'm
6: really really excited to see this. Um, particularly because you know in my in my experience, you know these tenants. I mean, again, we'll get into the history, but they have been waiting for half a century now for the cooperative ownership or some model. That's similar to that that they were promised, um, including you know other successful cooperatives that were founded around the same time, not too far away. And um, what I what has been a challenge that that I've seen um, is that there hasn't really been coordination from city agencies to to really dig into this very unique case and help these folks out before. Um, and so I'm really, really optimistic that this RFP is going to be able to, you know, accomplish that and, and actually address their their very unique situation so
0: Thank you Commissioner Singh. Commissioner Williams. Uh,
4: Commissioner Singh certainly took a part of what I would have <laughs> what I'd like to echo um, first, thank you so much Commissioner Preston for being such a strong ally for the black community in the Western Edition. Um, I know what work you've done and I can't express how appreciative I am um, so I, I suppose what kind of what what kind of walls have you run up against in terms of city support and trying to help the residents of, of Midtown?
2: Well I'm not sure there's enough uh time on our agenda today <laughs> to go into the history of uh, uh, of all that. I, I, I will say though that I think what everyone could probably agree to and, and possibly one of the biggest walls is it just um, Midtown doesn't fit into any of the boxes that like our, our city is better at saying um, you know we are going to Create housing over here that fits within and, and is competitive for tax credits and so we're gonna model it based on the income levels and we're gonna leverage different sources of funds for that right there's a, this a formula sort of for how we do that there may not be enough money it, it may not always happen the way we want it to but there's there's a way to do it right um, and as you know I mean it through your leadership around uh, community land trusts and other models that don't have that support um, Midtown doesn't fit in any of those boxes. And, and the, there's been, um, a series of, um, what have been viewed as by Midtown residents as broken promises from the start. Right. And, and just, you know, we keep referencing the long history and maybe not telling the public what that is. So I, I won't go too long, but I will say, I mean, this is a 138 unit development. Um, in the Western edition, right at the corner of, of Geary and Scott, dates back to the sixties, was, cr- was built in response to the devastating legacy of redevelopment, envisioned as, and, and promised as a place where displaced black residents would be able to return and find home again in the Western edition. And then from the start, it was marketed as a place, and I, I don't have the materials, you know, with me. I, I, I wish I'd brought them. But I mean, the flyers say um, "Own Your Own," like that was that was the marketing material to displace Black residents from the Western edition was "Own Your Own" and talking about the co-op model and how residents of Midtown uh, would become owners over the t- over time. And that has never been realized. They're also for many years was a lack of support from the city in terms of the technical support to people trying to, the, the Midtown uh, Corporation, uh, residents were trying to run a 138 unit facility needing support and technical assistance in that, not really getting it from the city. Um, so as is typical with a lot of um, you know public housing, co-op housing and others, um, what is sometimes started with good intentions, is then abandoned, not invested in, uh, and then later uh, declared a failure, right? And uh, and that's sort of the pattern that folks saw at Midtown. There was an effort then uh, by the city to come in and use a much more traditional affordable housing model uh, and impose that on the residents without talking to the residents. So a lot of things that just seem like normal requirements Um, At the time, it was Mercy Housing that came in and tried to apply a set of rules that may have looked perfectly normal in another affordable housing context. And the residents of Midtown were horrified to see huge rent increases, for example. Um, and and other house rules and things that they never agreed to being imposed on them. And the city backed those efforts, right? So, um, so that created even more distrust on the part of the residents that um, what was supposed to be a goal working toward collective ownership, self-determination and control, um, they were being shoved into affordable housing models that they'd never agreed to, that resulted in huge rent increases. So I think that most of what we've done in our office has worked very closely with Midtown residents uh, to try to rebuild some trust, at least with our office, uh, you know, as a representative of the city, um, but to also take what I think is a sharp turn, which was first to stabilize things, reverse those rent increases, but most importantly to take a stand that the future of Midtown needs to be determined by Midtown residents. And that is a position that while it sounds obvious to those of us uh, who have done housing organizing work for many, many years, that is a radical concept that does not fit very well often um, in how this city tends to do uh, housing, particularly when it comes to housing um, in the black community. So that's that's part of why I'm so excited to see this on the agenda, to see this process, and to be clear this is not LAFCO staff or LAFCO uh, commission trying to dictate what uh, the future development of Midtown is. It's, it's, it's the opposite. It's actually trying to facilitate uh, someone who has the confidence of uh, the residents to facilitate a process that that uh, that that the residents drive and that everyone has uh, confidence in. so very, very excited and appreciate uh, your comments and, and question. Thank you.
4: Of course, no, thank you. I think um I think the that brief overview of history is really important to just hear constantly and really drum that in. Um, I always wonder about the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. I wonder if you have heard a shift in their expressed interest of doing more outreach to cooperatives and helping in self-governance within that, or did I imagine
2: it? Um, I think there is a Interest from MoCD in co-ops in particular. They did. They had a fellow who has been working on co-ops. Uh, we actually uh, fought for and won um, some funds in the last budget to try to support um, technical assistance and outreach work in co-ops. There are a lot of um, HUD subsidized co-ops in our district in particular um, that really need uh, investment and support. Um, so I think from MoCD we've gotten a little bit of openness on that. Um, I think on Midtown in particular, um, I would say that there um, we are in communication with MoCD about ongoing issues at Midtown in terms of the longer term plan. They while they have not been. Partners in mapping out what a long-term plan would look like, or facilitating that, um, they've been um, probably hanging back a little bit. So I do think there's space for this conversation to happen and hopefully inform uh, MOCD. But but to be to be very blunt about it, there there has not there's not a lot of confidence among residents based on past experiences in MOCD. I think there's some trust to be rebuilt, and I think that. Um, how MoCD works with whatever recommendations come out of this process is really going to be key, you know, whether they are open to a resident-led process that is not going to fit into, I mean I can tell, the only thing I know about this process is that Midtown is a bunch of, of really thoughtful and brilliant and engaged folks who are going to have whatever they end up in this, in this process, it isn't gonna look like cookie cutter like something else. And I think the challenge to all of us is going to be to figure out how to make uh, that more creative proposal happen. Um, and that I think is, is a challenge for, you know, can be a challenge for MoCD, right? Because it, it doesn't fit in, in any of uh, the kinds of projects that they, they currently do.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Preston. Um, Yeah, I'll just say I appreciate Commissioner Preston's um, insistence to keep Midtown folks at the forefront of the movement for public and cooperative housing in the city. Um, Having got the pleasure to meet them myself, I can attest to that they're brilliant folks, um, remarkable and dedicated to... Um, their own communities, very interdependent, very caring, and looking out for one, each other, one, each, <laughs> one another, um, especially during the pandemic. Um, these folks deserve a community-informed vision, so I'm, I'm really glad that LAFO could be a part, um, and I'll pass it to Commissioner Singh
6: yeah, I just wanted to add to um, the background that Commissioner Preston was providing um, that I think historically, and and this is you know not just an issue that this part is not unique to Midtown. This is a discussion that's being had, you know all over the state and all over the country, um which is that, you know, cooperative models have been, and I, I think this is partly because of a, a scarcity mindset, but also maybe some historical context. Like cooperative models have traditionally been thought of as, predominantly, you know, a middle-class, middle-income option, right? And so it's not necessarily considered an op- a viable option historically when low-income tenants are involved. And that's, I mean, that's a huge problem. But I do think that, and that's a broader problem, that uh, I do think that in past interactions and past iterations of, you know, having just dis- like on and off discussions um, about a solution a cooperative solution for midtown um that that was the aspect
0: that came up the most um, to put it diplomatically i am very lucky to be a part of such a robust discussion with all the different affordable housing and tenants rights and op- cooperative um, housing folks here in commission we're very lucky to have everyone so uh, I'd like to invite Executive Officer Pollack to briefly uh, walk us through the RFP, if you could.
5: Hello again, Executive Officer Jeremy Pollack, and just have a couple of quick slides to go over uh, a few details on the RFP. Um, let's see, here we go. Um, so, uh, as Commissioner Preston described, there, it's essentially a two-part scope of work to this. Uh, one part is the, the facilitation process to work with the Midtown residents on, on developing ideas for resident ownership or control. Um, and the second part would be to conduct a property conditions assessment of the property and, and get a sense of the physical needs um, and... So I think we're imagining around a six month timeline of, the, of the, the community process. And um, the RFP also includes some minif- minimum qualifications around the property conditions assessment of having experience doing that and or um, you know, engineering or architectural licenses as appropriate. And that's to be, that assessments to be done uh, in conforming with uh, uh, Fannie Mae multifamily uh, has uh, guidelines for these these PCAs property conditions assessments, and then the, the final report will be a um, a report to the to LaFco uh, um, on these uh, recommendations uh, from the residents for the Board of Supervisors and Mayor and City to consider for for future policy action. Um, And then here is briefly the the timeline for the RFP. We're hoping to issue it next week. I want to give thanks to our general counsel, Inder Khalsa, for helping with going through the LAFCO RFP template. We've been trying to streamline that and make it a little more uh, accessible to folks that maybe aren't familiar with the the city's complex uh, bidding process. Um, And also thanks to uh, the clerk of the Board of Supervisors office, in particular, uh, Dr. Edward Diazis, who's going to be supporting us with conducting this. And um, we have a, a pretty aggressive timeline on this RFP. It, um, we'll have to see, you know, based on the quality of of responses uh, and you know our ability to, to keep to this timeline. But uh, we're hoping to, to get this moving quickly, and um, would we'll also be looking for for help from you all in publicizing this RFP to try to get a, a quality pool of bidders and. Want to give my thanks to Commissioner Williams, who's already provided a few uh, recommendations on facilitators to, to reach out to. Uh, we've got a list from the local business enterprise LBE list of, I think it's about 30 or 40 um, facilitator uh, potential contractors that are in the sort of the city database we'll be putting this out to, and it'll be available on the, the city supplier portal. And I'll follow up with you all with uh, the details on that to, to help publicize and... Uh, that's uh, the end of the extent of my presentation here. Happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you. Colleagues, any comments or questions? Seeing no further comments, uh, I will open this up for public comment and speakers will have three minutes. Thank you, Vice Chair Felder. Are there
1: any members of the public who would like to make public comment for item number six in the chamber? If so, please line up along the curtain wall to your right. Remote public call-in members, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. For those already on hold, please continue to wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted. Seeing no in-chamber public comment, we'll go to the call-in line. We have one caller with one speaker in the queue. May we please have the speaker?
7: Good morning, again, Commissioners Eric Brooks. This on this item, just representing our city, San Francisco, or our city, SF. Uh, it's really great to see that Lafco is taking this. Uh, I, this item that's been stuck for decades to, to get it to move forward. It shows the, the, the importance of the LAFCO kind of serving the role of getting a hold of things that the city is not doing and making them unstuck and moving them forward. Um, and it's, it's, uh, this, this also is, you know, it shows that it's not just about clean energy, that this, this LAFCO exists. But these are these issues are intersectional because when uh, redevelopment over the last several decades devastated the Fillmore and other Western uh, Black communities in San Francisco, a lot of the residents got shoved out and ended up having to go to the Bayview Hunters Point and Treasure Island, um, where then they run in, you know, they go out of the frying pan and into the fire of these sites that are managed by corporations like Lennar, which are toxic and radioactive waste infused, and now uh, global warming is bringing in sea level rise that's gonna interact with groundwater and the toxic chemicals. And so we've got this, you know, people being shoved from one part of the city to another where those problems are happening. So what that shows is that these are, these issues are all intersectional. And uh, we need to look at, and LAFCO is the perfect agency to look at what's happening City and county-wide, uh, in this, this kind of these in these dynamics, and um, our city SF has worked a lot on the issues of Treasure Island and Bayview Hunters Point, and it would be good to see that um, raised again uh, here in LaFco to the extent that things aren't getting unstuck there. The last thing I would say is just to agree, you know, all housing in San Francisco should be co-ops and land trusts and public housing. None of it should be for profit, and this is a great way that we could set the example uh, to move that forward and just make housing a right and end, the, end completely uh, housing as speculation for real estate speculators or even as a profit source for the city government. Thanks.
1: Thank you for your comments today, Eric Brooks. We
0: have zero speakers in the queue left. Seeing no more public speakers, public comment is now closed. Can I have a motion and a second to authorize the executive officer to issue this RFP? So moved. Moved by Commissioner Preston. Second. Seconded by Commissioner Williams. Madam Clerk, can you please call the roll? Thank you. On the motion to authorize the release of the RFP,
1: Member Preston? Aye. Preston, aye. Member Williams? Aye. Williams, aye. Vice Chair Felder?
0: Aye. Felder,
1: aye. You have three ayes.
0: Thank you. Um, yay, Midtown! All right, thank, thank you so much you. Commissioner Preston and Executive Officer Pollack. Um, Madam Chair, can you please call item number seven? Item number seven is the Executive Officer's Report. Members of
1: the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415- 655-0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID 2483- 203 Then dials pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star 3 to be added to the speaker queue. For those already on hold, please continue to wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted when we go to public comment. Seeing no in-person comment, sorry, continue.
0: Thank you, Madam Secretary. So now we'll hear from Executive Officer Jeremy Pollack.
5: There we go. Hello again, Jeremy Pollock, Executive Officer, and uh, have uh, four brief items for you here. Uh, one, I'm going to go over a, a preview of our budget and work plan for the upcoming fiscal year, uh, a quick update on the launch of the, the e-bike for delivery workers pilot program. Uh, our policy analyst, Khaled Samurai, will give you a, a quick update from the reinvestment working group and uh, a look at our forward calendar for the next few meetings. Um, so uh, lafco is uh, required by state law to adopt our budget by may 1st uh, a proposed budget and final budget by june 15th so it's slightly off from the the city and county's budget uh, timeline we're aiming to have those votes at our april and may meetings and uh, what i've included in this report um, is basically two versions of our our budget imagining uh, what our budget looks like with the, the lafco sfpuc mou and, without. and Um, this slide shows sort of the high-level numbers and um, yeah you will see the call your attention to the the general fund line shows significant difference in the uh, the amount of general fund support that LAFCO will need with and without the MOU Um, and um, the other thing I'll note here is the the a significant increase in the overall budget is mainly almost entirely the result of shifting the policy analyst position which had been in the clerk of the board's office to, to being officially under LAFCO and uh, the proposed budget also reclassifies that position from temporary to permanent civil service um, and then here is sort of the, the eye charts of the, of the actual line items of the budget that um, I'm afraid I wasn't sure how to present in a way that is uh, copacetic to uh, a small screen. So happy to answer any questions and uh, would love the opportunity to to discuss with you in detail as you're interested as um, we adjust some of the, the smaller items of our, of our humble little budget for uh, approval next month. Um, and so then I'll just uh, move on to a brief discussion of our proposed work plan. Um, so uh, before you um, basically, the major change from last year's work plan is a proposal to add municipal housing services as a, a sort of third bucket of our priority areas uh, anticipating the the midtown project as well as the municipal housing feasibility study that Commissioner Preston has secured funding for um, and so uh, along with that we have uh, the continued work on Clean Power SF um, which, you know, very much is to be uh, determined. The the scope and details on that, based on the, the MOU resolution or not. Um, and then the the third bucket here is around public banking and municipal finance services. And with the reinvestment working group um, speeding towards completion of its duties, uh, we'll be looking to you all for for input on how and if that work should should continue into the upcoming fiscal year. And then lastly, we have uh, a few miscellaneous studies that uh, have come onto our plate. Uh, and I've, I've moved the, the gig economy work um, over to this category as it's um, become uh, more of a minor part of our work plan, uh, planning to continue to advise with the Department of the Environment on their pilot program. Uh, that was part of their, their grant funding with, for that was a, a commitment of LAFCO in-kind services of, of staff time on that. And continue to look at at other opportunities for that Um, and uh, we also have the uh, Golden State Energy Act which was a study which was basically a request from the Commission at our January meeting to to do sort of an an outline of what a larger study would look at of Golden State Energy is the state nonprofit entity that would take over PG&E in in the case of PG&E's bankruptcy or decertification and so Uh, working with with community stakeholders to develop uh, the scope of that of uh, sort of a minor study of looking at what are the impacts of that for San Francisco uh, and what would a a larger um, study look like to to prepare San Francisco for that eventuality of PG&E going away. And then lastly, we have a request from Board of Supervisors President Aaron Peskin for LAFCO to conduct a survey, a study on municipal community laundromat services and looking at Um, particularly the needs of uh, SRO residents and residents in congregate living uh, situations and um, in sort of dense housing where without laundry services, where it's difficult to get permitting for laundry services, and also looking at the landscape of the shrinking amount of laundromats in the city and uh, what, what if if any, should be the role for the city to play in supporting those types of sanitation services. And uh, I believe that... Yeah, that is the, the extent of the the work plan uh and budget discussion. Uh maybe I'll pause there to see if you all have any any comments on, on that portion of the report.
0: Thank you, Executive Officer Pollock. Actually, yes, could you go back to the budget slide?
5: Yeah. Let's see. Are you asking for the, the detailed line item slide?
0: Or? Yeah, for the um well for the one with, with the MOU and without the MOU. Yeah. Okay, so so this carry forward is what is what we currently have as well?
5: Uh right. So um the the carry forward that you see at 000, the hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars, that's the latest estimate from the, the clerk's office of what we will have uh, unspent at the end of the of this f- current fiscal year.
0: Okay. Thank you. And then um, I see there's a without MOU and with MOU um, and a difference there of about 250,000 for fiscal year 23 to 24. Okay, so. Yeah, so. The our ability to to do the rest of the studies, um, you know, the municipal laundry services, gig worker, Golden State Energy, that would come from what we currently have, right?
5: Right. So, yeah, all that would, would come out of our general fund support um, and then... On the the municipal housing studies, the 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 Midtown study, as well as the the, the municipal housing feasibility study, uh, for both of those, Commissioner Preston secured funding in through the city budget that I believe is not re- reflected in here. So those are um, those two studies have their own funding. Uh, the rest of it would basically come out of our our general fund support, and is essentially um, the staff time for our two staff and um, yeah, without, um, contemplating any sort of consultant services would, um, are not included in this for any of those other studies.
0: Got it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I also want to thank the clerk's office for making the policy analyst position, um, a permanent part. You know, our, our current policy analyst, called Samurai, has been, um, really key in the public bank work and has been so helpful to LAFCO in general. So, um, just want to thank the clerk's office for that. And um, I definitely want to explore ways to cut down costs for consultants. Um, you know, there's plenty of public research institutions that we can partner with potentially to provide really quality um, information. And, you know, we can work on making sure that, that the RFPs for those different studies get out to them. Um, you know, I was really impressed with the, the Berkeley-CLEE study on the Climate Action Plan and how to finance that that the Department of Environment did. So would love to potentially explore um, partnerships with research institutions uh, where possible. Commissioners, do you have any other questions, comments at this moment? All right. Uh, Commissioner Preston.
2: Thank you. Um, so I, I I don't have questions or comments on the details of this. I just, as you know, as wearing my other hat, sitting on the board of supervisors, I just I just have to comment on the overall budget here for a second. As you know, if you look at our any agenda at any given day with the tens of millions of dollars we're asked to approve and contract amendments, and, and um, it, it just it should not go without being noted how much is being done on a budget under a million dollars. Like I I would challenge anyone who is watching any aspect of city government to find any department that comes remotely close to the level of production on substantive issues, on important research, on important like forward thinking policies with the level of I mean efficiency is the wrong way it's just it it um not advocating here for more or less money I just need to just comment and commend um you know particularly for for our for the staff of two who have done you know and continue to do tremendous work executive officer uh, Pollock and Mr Samurai on moving the entire public banking conversation forward which can literally transform how San Francisco Chooses for generations to come to invest in small businesses, green infrastructure, uh, and and in affordable housing. To the to the increased work specifically on housing, and exploring models that could actually make the city an affordable place for working class people to live and prevent displacement. I mean, this is like major work, and it's just it just I'm I'm often struck by what is sometimes a discussion or a battle of, of you know, getting some sliver of funds that is 0.0001% of whatever of, and I just made that up, but of, you know, the budget and whether that should or should not go to LAFCO. And then I look at the work that's being performed. Uh, and then I convene meetings with departments I won't even name where, you know, eight people show up for the meeting, half of whom are earning salaries, uh, that are literally each half the budget of, of all of LAFCO. Um, so it's not to cast shade on, uh, the, the various departments and others in the city. It's more just to really highlight how much is being done here on so little, and largely because of the work of uh, the two gentlemen here in, uh, in chambers with us, the staff of LAFCO. So, I do want to note that and express my appreciation.
0: Thank you, Commissioner Preston. Commissioner Singh.
6: I think my fellow commissioners and Executive Director Pollock will probably not be surprised to <laughs> hear me highlight and and uh, my excitement that there's going to be LAFCO work being done on municipal housing. Um, I just want to highlight that you know in the in Sacramento right now there are at least three different legislative proposals pertaining I've, that actually maybe five now that I think about it pertaining to um, some facet of social housing, either production or acquisition. Um, or preservation. Um, So we really need to step up as San Francisco because really this is increasingly becoming a demand from labor. This is increasingly becoming a demand from housing advocates. It's increasingly being seen as a piece of our, uh, as a critical piece of answering our housing shortage. So we really, really do not and can't afford to have San Francisco, you know, be a laggard (laughs) or fall behind. Um, what's happening across the state? So I'm very, very, very excited to see this here. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Executive Officer Hollick, did you want to continue your presentation?
5: Uh, yes, please. Just a couple more brief items here. Um. So the other item I'm excited to report on is the Department of the Environment's pilot program to provide electric bikes to app-based delivery workers is now staffed up and and launching. um, Basically, as we speak, they've added two staff now to their clean transportation program, and they uh, are in the process. They finalized the contracts with their subcontractors, and they're in the process of recruiting uh, delivery workers to participate in this program. And the deadline is March 31st for folks to participate. Um, so if any of you all know anybody who is uh, interested in the app-based delivery work and has experience riding bikes in San Francisco, um, they can apply at the at the link on, shown on the screen here. Um, definitely we welcome any members of the public to help publicize this as well. Um, and then just very briefly the the timeline for this Uh, the project is broken into two cohorts of uh, there'll be 15 uh, individuals and workers that will receive electric bikes and there'll be a control group of 15 uh, workers that will be doing deliveries by cars Uh, they'll be tracking data of the two to, to give us some empirical data on on the differences between deliveries by bikes versus cars um, and so they're recruiting participants this month. Uh, April will be, will be training the workers and some, some testing, and then May through August will be the, the data collection. Um, and then at the completion of that, um, the, the bike delivery workers that complete that will uh, receive ownership of their, their bikes and to continue on that work. And then a second cohort, again, starting in August. And so, excited to see this launching and um, hoping to have the Department of the Environment come give us some details later in the year on, on how this is progressing. Um, and then I'd like to turn it over to our policy analyst called Samurai to give you a, a brief update on the Reinvestment Working Group.
8: Hello. Um, thank you, Executive Officer. Um, so. Commissioners, as you probably heard me say a few times before, we, are, we were renegotiated the contract with our consultants, HRNA, to um, extend the um, deadline for their deliverables because of um, uh, some contract uh, delays and seating delays last year. So the updated timeline is in front of you. Um, on March 20th this this Monday we will receive the second MFC draft that a a lot of you commented on thank you so much Um, you will have until March 31st to comment on this second MFC draft I highly recommend reviewing it and I will make sure that every single comment you made um, is uh, either addressed or um, the reason it wasn't uh, accepted um, is addressed back to you and As a reminder, we are currently accepting feedback for the public bank plan, um, also until March 31st. And then uh, on April 14th, we will get the final MFC governance plan and business plan. And um, after we get the public bank plans, uh, at the request of the chair, we will vote to submit both MFC plans and public bank plans to both LAFCO and the Board of Supervisors, at which point the Reinvestment Working Group will conclude its work. Um, And yes, so here's the uh, list of uh, dates. Um, We have um, an April 20th uh, meeting upcoming where we'll discuss that second MFC draft and the public bank plans. And then we have a May 18th um, meeting where we will review the final plans and um, uh, have that vote um, for you. That's the plan right now. And as the executive officer mentioned earlier, Uh, it is important right now for the um, commissioners to consider where public banking will live after their investment working group completes its work and submits those plans to the board. And I'm happy to take any questions.
0: Thank you, Mr. Samurai. Um, Once again, I want to thank Executive Officer Pollock and Mr. Samurai and the Office of um, Commissioner Preston for making this a priority. So as everyone knows at this point, uh, this has taken years and years of work. And in the last year, the Reinvestment Working Group has been hard at work um, with the consultants to come up with these plans. And last month, we had a lot of um, great coverage about those plans, Uh, $20 million is what it will take to start the baby bank, the MFC. And at the moment, there's a discussion about what are the demonstration projects? How do we show that this can work? And I think that this is a particularly timely um, moment for public banking, looking at Silicon Valley Bank and how it, um, you know, is a part of this larger global market, very volatile, um, it was invested in mortgage-backed securities. Obviously, a lot of its depositor base was uh, the tech world and VCs. You know, a public bank would be much different. Um, but we are really excited to be continuing this conversation. Again, as as Mr. Samurai said, we're looking to see where the baby bank would live, where the MFC could live in the city government. Um I think it's really important, and what I'm committed to doing on this commission is making sure that we're all looking at different sources of capitalization for this baby bank, um, considering you know our deficit in the city and um, pri- prioritization of police <laughs> over everything else um, so at the moment, we've been scouring all the different levels local state, federal funding that could potentially um be provided for a baby bank. Uh, as I mentioned in previous meetings, the discussion around green banking is happening at the same time as this. Um, you know, the, the Biden administration passed the IRA climate bill, and so there's potentially funds available as soon as June for that. Um, and that would be really key for potentially starting a, a baby bank. Um, Green lending could be one aspect, but also sustainability could be woven through all the different lending aspects that the the bank conducts. Um, Currently, the city already has many lending programs, and we definitely are looking forward to seeing more transparency around um, how those decisions are made, um, how those can be incorporated into a new bank, a baby bank, Um, and so all that to say, We still are in a really precious time to set our city up to potentially go for these big climate funds to start a bank um, so that there's no other pressure on our our general budget. But um, it's a key to economic recovery. You know, small businesses have still struggled to get a lot of the lending that they need. PPP loans have dried up. You know, our downtown, obviously, um, is still recovering. And I hear that the only... One of the biggest solutions at this point on the table is a gigantic tax break for billionaires and major corporations. We all know how that has gone for San Francisco. So um, I I encourage everyone to review the draft plans, um, get your feedback in before uh, March 29th, and um, thank you all for your continued interest. Commissioner Preston.
2: Thank you, Chair Fielder and um commented on the broader budget already but it, but did want to just chime in on the, both on the uh, e-bike update um, and also on uh, the public bank to really to to echo your comments around public bank and also just thank you um, Chair Fielder, for your uh, leadership on SF uh, public bank coalition and now on on lafco on moving this forward it's 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 really there's been a lot of work accomplished already by the reinvestment working group uh, I I did want to note because I think it's one of these things we sometimes take for granted that the um, the Board of Supervisors unanimously approved the ordinance um, uh, um, creating this working group and also has supported the budget going back to when uh, when Matt Haney was chair of budget and, and it was one of our top priorities to, to to get the funds to be able to do this work. Um, so, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that are very controversial in city government. Um, to date, public banking has, has not been that. And, and while there are you know, I, I don't want to suggest everyone's on the exact same page about what it would look like and the details, and there there are things to be hashed out. Um, but it is um, an area where there's been, as I said, a unanimous support from the board of supervisors. Um, our city attorney, obviously, was was the author of the assembly bill that that laid out the path to uh, to licensing a public bank at the state. Um, and so, I, you know, I I hope that kind of um, that kind of unity continues and then, you know, there will be questions and there's no doubt there will be questions down the road of how big you go, uh, you know, uh, in terms of the funding and so forth. I think we've seen the template of what at minimum it would cost to set up the public bank. And that's, as you say, the numbers you've mentioned, the 20 million, the, the 50 million, uh, the figures that are in, you know, the draft plans. Um, but I also, you know, for that, it's, it, probably is ultimately up to either voters or the board and mayor together to figure out, just because you can form something at 20 million does not mean um, that that that's where the conversation ends. right? And I think that's something, uh, I think we should all be unified in creating public bank, um, getting all the input as the reinvestment working group has been getting, um, and then making a collective decision of how much we want to do with that entity. Once it's up and running, right? And you know, I mean, we can finance as many affordable housing projects, or as many small businesses, or as many green infrastructure projects as there's the money to do it and the political will, uh, you know, uh, down the road. So, uh, so I don't, so don't want to sugarcoat that like those those conversations will happen in the future. But I also want to emphasize the the real. Um, Unity. That there's been around the concept of moving forward, um, a public bank at this time, which is really, really exciting. Um, and on and and just quick note on the uh, the e-bikes program, which is for for app-based deliveries, which is something that I'm very supportive of and excited by, and want to recognize our former colleague. Um, uh, Commissioner and and Supervisor Gordon Marr um, who who we worked with and and who who led on that initial um, pilot but just to remind everyone that you know the survey showed that 70 percent of folks who are driving vehicles in the city mostly double parking and we get complaints every day you know in our office on on this issue like 70 percent of those folks who are driving their car polluting the environment to try to make a living, causing traffic congestion in our neighborhoods. 70% of them, when surveyed, said they would switch over to an e to a e-bike if it was made available to them. So um, this is absolutely a climate issue in our city and an issue where there's no reason other than finding the money, right? There's absolutely no reason that we should not be um, exponentially increasing this program. We 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 know it will work, and and we know there's an appetite for it. So I want to commend LaFco staff for for moving, you know, for the for the work on this and the pilot. But also, I do think this is an area where it's it, in the scheme of things, it's not it's not that big a price tag. There's an appetite for it, and we're already seeing in our city the, like, just the traffic congestion levels now are, are at or are worse than the levels they were pre-COVID, right? And it's only getting worse. Um, and, and so this is one huge thing that we can do to alleviate that, and I'm, I'm excited, to, uh, that, that LAFCO is continuing and the Department of Environment to, uh, to lead on that but but really looking forward as I've communicated to our executive officer if there are ways that we can um, kind of accelerate and grow that program in the near term um, this one Commissioner would be excited for those efforts.
0: Thank you Commissioner Preston. Commissioner Singh. Yeah I
6: just wanted to make a quick note because I believe AB 857 requires FDIC approval in some fashion for (laughs) public banks. So, I mean, this is more of a general comment, but I'll be interested to see how shifts in uh, FDIC policy in response to recent crises is going to affect us downstream in getting this public bank off the ground.
0: Thank you for that. And actually, I'm going to throw it to Mr. Samurai because maybe there was a discussion yesterday about this.
8: Yes, uh, our consultant let us know that it's likely the FDIC will be more um, cautious of approving um, bank plans in the future. But just to uh, clarify, San Francisco's current plan is to start an MFC, which is a non-depository institution that doesn't have to get FDIC approval. Then we will run that institution for three to five years. And after a track record of success, then we would go to the FDIC and apply. And so in three to five years, the market's likely to have changed again.
0: Thank you, Mr. Samurai. I hope that helped. Um, All right, seeing no other questions, comments. Are there any members of the public who wish to speak for three minutes? Thank
1: you, Madam Vice-Chair. Are there any members of the public in the chamber that would like to make public comment for item number seven? Seeing no members of the public in the chamber, we'll go to the dial in nine. If you're on the line, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. We currently have one caller in the queue. May we please have the first speaker?
7: Good morning again, Commissioners. Eric Brooks uh, with Californians for Energy Choice and Our City SF. Uh, Since it was brought up, I really want to bring up a very important issue that was also uh, raised in the Budget and Appropriations Committee on Wednesday, and that's green bank financing and climate bonds. Uh, It's uh, really good to see that that discussion is moving forward. We need climate bonds. We need green bank financing and... The thing that was striking to me about um, that hearing on Wednesday is that there was no discussion at all of revenue bond financing. It was all just general obligation bonds, which have to you have to increase property taxes or other taxes to get general obligation bond funding. And it's understandable that folks don't realize this because it's kind of buried in the city charter. But if you look in the San Francisco charter under revenue bonds, you will see that there are eight different categories of revenue bonds. And by revenue bonds, just for the public, that means bonds that are used to build things that make their own revenue, like a toll bridge or renewable energy uh, from the customers. And so that they, since they don't have to raise taxes, it doesn't, going to the voters can be waived. And that has been done. Voters have passed ballot measures that have waived the requirement for the board of supervisors to go to them on the ballot to get um, revenue bond financing, and the last edition of that was in 2001 when voters voted for Prop H uh, in November 2001 to create um, to create uh, revenue bond financing that does not have to go to the voters for renewable energy and efficiency uh, installations, and there's also a section of that uh, revenue bond section that applies to housing improvements. So it's not just clean energy that we can use these kind of revenue bonds for. And the beauty of the clean energy revenue bonds is because solar and efficiency and other renewables save money long term, you don't even need to raise customer bills to use those bonds. So as uh, this all goes forward for your forward calendar and your future agenda items, it's pretty important to have a discussion about this revenue bond authority so that the Green Bank and so that the startup bank, even in the next few years, once it gets started up, even if it's not taking deposits, it could use this uh, revenue bond authority of the city to move a lot of stuff forward. So I would urge you to consider that on uh, future agendas. Thanks.
1: Thank you for your comments today, Eric Brooks. We have no other speakers in the queue.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, seeing no public speakers, public comment is now closed. And thank you, Executive Officer Pollock, for your report and Mr. Samurai. Uh, Madam Clerk, can you please call item number eight?
1: Item number eight is general public comment. Members of the public may address the commission on matters that are within the jurisdiction and not on today's agenda. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should dial 415-655 0001. When prompted, enter meeting ID two four eight three two zero three eight one nine four. then press pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star 3 to be added to the speaker queue. The system will prompt that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted, and you may begin your comments when we go to public comment. Seeing no in-person public comment, we will look to the call-in line. currently have one speaker listening with zero in the queue.
0: Thank you. Seeing so no other public speakers, public comment is now closed. Um, or did I do that right? Okay, yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, Madam Clerk, can you please call
1: item number nine? Item number nine is future agenda items. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item should call 415-655-0001. When prompted, please enter meeting ID two four eight three two zero three eight one nine four, 203 8194 then press pound twice. If you haven't done so already, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. The system will prompt that you have raised your hand. Please wait until the system indicates that you've been unmuted and you may begin your comments when we go to public comments. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Colleagues, are there any other future agenda items to note? All right, let's now open this up for public comment. Uh...
1: Thank you, Madam Vice Chair. Are there any members of the public who would like to make public comment for item number nine? If you are in the chamber, please line up against the curtain wall to your right. On the line, please dial star three to be added to the speaker queue. For those of you already on hold, please continue to wait until the system indicates that you have been unmuted. Seeing no in-person commenters, we'll look at the line. There are currently zero callers in the queue.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, seeing no public speakers, public comment is now closed. And um, Madam Clerk, is there any other business before us today?
1: There's no additional business before the commission.
0: All right, with there being no for the business, we are adjourned.